We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show, presented by the Armchair Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined, as always, by my co-host and my colleague, Thomas Floyd. The Gamecocks get it done in a wild and wacky game and a wet game Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. Gamecocks come away with a thrilling 37-35 to win over the Missouri Tigers in a game they absolutely needed to win. We're going to break that down, obviously preview the upcoming game with the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, but first, if you haven't done so yet, please be sure to go rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show. The best Gamecocks podcast online by far. Again, we're on iTunes, the Stitcher app, really wherever you consume your media, wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to go check us there. Uh, also, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, at the Spurs Up Show is where you can find the podcast. Also, Armchair South Carolina is on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Armchair S Car. And, of course, again, this is a podcast presented to you by the Armchair All-Americans. So, please be sure to go check us out, armchairallamericans.com, for all of your latest breaking Gamecocks news coverage, our podcast, of course, uh, and all of our other sports coverage. We cover everything from professional to collegiate sports, esports, fantasy, gambling, you can imagine this is a very, very busy time for us right now with obviously college football, the NFL getting in full swing, MLB playoffs are pretty intense right now. Uh, so please be sure to go check out all of our content, armchairallamericans.com. Uh, I mentioned we do cover gambling. We have our best bet segment every single week. Uh, so I got to mention our friends who sponsor the show over at MyBookie. Uh, I know when I gamble, Tom, and I, I do so, or I used to very, very often, I'm a retired gambler now and for good reason. But when I, when, I used to, when I used to gamble, I was always looking for a good, reliable website where it's easy to use. Uh, you're able to get your transactions quickly. My bookie is the best in the business by far. They're the easiest to use, the easiest to get your money. Uh, and if you go over to mybookie.ag right now, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag, and use the promo code SPURS25, they're going to match your first deposit up to $1,000, 100% match, and also throw in an extra 25 bucks when you use that promo code. So go over to mybookie.ag if you haven't done so yet. Get started gambling today. Use the promo code SPURS25 uh, and get that first deposit matched 100%. Again, remember with mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right. Appreciate you guys tuning in again. I'm joined as always with my co-host, Thomas Floyd. We're going to recap everything that went down on Saturday. Uh, Tom, Gamecocks get the – the win on Saturday in a crazy game. Again, 37-35, the final. Gamecocks were down 23-14 at halftime. 
Um, first thing I'll ask you, have you ever seen anything in your playing days of football and your days of watching football, high school, college, NFL, have you ever seen a game like the one we watched on Saturday? Uh, <clears throat> not really, no. That was probably one of the longest 12 o'clock kickoff games of all time for the last until 5 o'clock. I was like, I got things to do with my day. They need to wrap this thing up pretty soon. But um, it was a really weird game to me. I've never – I mean, I just feel like I've never seen a game have two lightning delays, storm like that, then continue to play in the storm and it not be a big deal. Especially Parker White hit those field goals with something that probably isn't going to be talked about enough. But just an overall crazy game. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a wacky game. You talked about long. I mean, that game starting at noon, what, it ended at 5.30? I mean, I know in the second, you know, I, I was waiting. I had some burgers to cook, honestly. I had some food to cook or whatever, and I was sitting there waiting through the game. I, I waited through the first lightning day, set, the first lightning delay. The second one hit. I'm like, I got to go cook these burgers, man. I'm starving. So I was actually outside growing a little bit, watching some of the other games on my phone and was able to make it back in time to the apartment just as they were resuming the game. Um, but, yeah, man, overall, a wacky game on Saturday, a game that I think South Carolina, you know, absolutely had to have um, for this season, just for the prospects of this season and sort of the goals that they had set out. Um, you know, overall, you get to three and two. Uh, you're two and two in the SEC right now. You know, obviously with that game, the Marshall game being canceled, you look at this football team could be four and two right now. I'm sure they'll be making that one up on that December December first weekend. But you know, overall the game, Tom, let's just go ahead and start and get it right into it because at this time last week when we were recording, we were unsure of who was going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Jake Bentley had had some injury issues. He suffered in the Kentucky game. You know, there were some questions about you know his. His availability on Saturday, obviously, Will Muschamp keeps all of the injuries really close to the vest, or he just tells us that people are going to be good to go and they're out for six weeks. So we never really know with Will Muschamp if they're going to play or not. But Jake Bentley was unable to go. Michael Skarnecchia gets the start at quarterback, and that's where I want to start with things, Tom, is on the offensive side. Um, I'll be honest, if you know, you obviously, if you listened to our show last week, you heard our predictions. Tom, if you'd have told me the Gamecocks were, were going to score 37 points, um, on Saturday, I would have told you you were absolutely crazy with the Gamecocks find a way to get it done. And it's behind a solid, I mean, a fantastic effort from Michael Skarnecchia. Um, he went, what, I think it was uh, 20 for 35, 249 yards, three touchdowns on the day, no interceptions, was really careful with the ball. He had a, I think he had one or two passes that maybe could have been picked. But overall, you know, showed great touch, has a really good arm, you know, put the ball in places where only his receivers could catch him. You think of the, the fade route to Brian Edwards, the, the jump ball to Debo Samuel, some of the slants on the RPOs to, to Edwards and Samuels. Talk about just kind of what you saw overall from this offense with Michael Skarnecchia uh, uh, leading the charge. Well, one thing I did see, and it's not really Skarnecchia per se, but it's the offense as a whole, they were committed to running the ball on first and second down. I, they could have could have been averaging more than three or four yards of carry. I don't know the exacts there, but Skarnacki had a really good game. I mean, I think someone said on Twitter that, uh, you know, Skarnacki was 20 of 35 for which 240 and three touchdowns. Jake Billings had one game where he's thrown 240-plus and three touchdowns and no interceptions, and that was Coastal Carolina this year. So, obviously, he's done – I mean, he showed he could do just as well, if not better than Billings can do. I don't know what that means for the future in this upcoming game, but, I mean, he played really well. I don't think we could ask anything more out of him considering the conditions of the ball game. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Definitely in those conditions. You know, I was kind of torn because there was a lot of talk, obviously, about the offensive philosophy. And, you know, once you kind of saw that Michael Skarnecchia, just sort of the ability he had to throw the football, I mean, you'd have thought maybe they would have – Brian McClendon would have opened it up a little bit more. I'm not – some people were trying to be a little critical and harsh on Brian McClendon. I wasn't so much in that camp simply because, you know, they had just talked about they wanted to be hard-headed running the football. And I really thought – 
in some of the games earlier this season, you know, Georgia's the one that sticks out where they sort of – they went away from the run way too early. So I, I at least appreciated the commitment to we want to establish the run. I, I at least appreciate the commitment to that. Obviously, you've got to do what's working. I mean, you ran the ball for 47, 47 times, only 128 yards on the ground, 2.7 yards per carry. Um, so, obviously, not the best numbers. I mean, you know, both Rico Dowdle and Tyson Williams go over 50 yards apiece, but you look at those guys. Rico Dowdle, two and a half yards a carry. Tyson, only 3.4 yards per carry. Um, but I did appreciate them at least trying to be hard-headed with the run, sticking with the run game. But, you know, overall, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest story of Saturday has got to be Michael Skarnecchia and just the job he had done. A redshirt senior in his fifth season at South Carolina. Really, Tom, you know, <clears throat> hadn't played any meaningful snaps whatsoever. I mean, he, what, he had thrown 13 passes coming into this game that really had all come this season when he came in relief against Coastal. So, you know, he's got to be the story of this game. I mean, you look back, Debo Samuel had a great game, Brian Edwards, um, you know, Brian with two touchdowns, Debo with the one. Um, but overall, I mean, Michael Skarnecchia, what he was able to do coming off the bench, leading South Carolina to a victory um, was just was really, really impressive in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think that he played very well. I don't think there's anything more you could have asked out of a of a kid who's never got you know start a game at South Carolina, really play any meaningful snaps to come in and lead you to a victory. And especially, you know, we go down by two with or down by one with a minute left in the ball game. And he, he takes us down the field and sets us up for a Parker White field goal. Hits Kyle Markway in the chest. One of the, I mean, it's really hard to hit a dude who's wide open, and he just nailed him. You know, Markway almost almost broke it for a touchdown, but set Parker White up. Parker White hits the game with a field goal, and I think when you score. 37 points with your backup when your starter isn't scoring that much with the, with the ones, I think that something's up there. But anyway, he had a really good game. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, it's funny. I, you know, obviously Skarnecki is the last of the Spurrier quarterbacks. You know, he came yeah. to South Carolina in 2000. What was it? 14, I believe. Um, he was one of the, they, they say that he's one of the last recruits that Spurrier took an interest yep. in. Recruiting. Maybe it was 13, actually, he red, he redshirted. Either way, was there with Spurrier, really one of the last Spurrier quarterbacks. And I don't know about you, Tom, but you could almost see that in him, where as far as, like, Spurrier quarterbacks are very, you know, take the snap, the ball is supposed to go here, go there with it, right? It's just supposed to go in a spot. You hit that spot at this time as far as, like, timing with your receivers and finding your receivers downfield. And I, you could see that in Michael Skarnecchia. There was no indecision. There was no, you know, looking well, he, like he – Confused. Well, something that to me was that he did a really good job of going through all of his progressions and looking at everybody. And that's something that I don't. It's not something that Bentley hasn't done, but I've seen, I saw. I like I saw a lot more out of it in Skarnecchia from one game than I've seen him Bentley throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna we're gonna dive much much deeper into the Jake Bentley Michael Skarnecchia talk when we get into the Texas A and M game because obviously there's been a lot of thoughts about that and there's been a lot of things said on social media. Obviously, Gamecock Nation's got a very very loud, very big opinion on that that subject, and we're going to get into it in just a little bit more so. But, you know, overall, I, I will say, you know, I, I thought it was interesting today, Tom, to hear Will Muschamp say, I don't think he was that pleased with the way the offensive line played on Saturday. I thought overall they were okay, but obviously when you run the football the way South Carolina did, only 2.7 yards per carry, um, that can definitely bring about those thoughts. But obviously I think South Carolina was – playing more so towards the conditions. I mean, we talked about a little bit in the beginning, but the conditions Saturday for South Carolina were unreal with the rain. I mean, just the pouring down rain. I've never seen anything like that with just an absolute monsoon roll through Columbia in the third quarter where things really swung back for the Gamecocks. I think that played a lot into why they committed more so to the run. But again, just an absolute crazy game. Um, 
moving over to the defensive side of the ball really quickly, quickly, because I do want to touch on that. Um, some concerning things we saw on Saturday, maybe just kind of reconfirm some things we already knew, Tom. We've we've been talking about the linebackers for weeks now, just that being sort of a, le- a weak link to this defense. Um, and I'm not sure there was anything that happened on Saturday to change our thoughts on that. No, definitely not. I think that we're very – not. I'll say weak in the front seven, but we're very thin, and especially at our linebackers. I mean, other than T.J. Brunson, we really don't have a lot there, especially with – Basically, pick six was a you know great play, but it just was something that I think they have to improve for this defense to be at where it needs to be. Yeah, run defense has got to be a huge focus. I mean, you know, obviously you talk about the pick six with Sherrod Green, which was a fantastic play and a play that yeah. definitely changed that game, turned it on its head, and, you know, obviously went a long way in South Carolina winning that ball game. But, you know, I, I will say definitely coming out of this football game, the one big concern I have is obviously against the run game. South Carolina is going to play a lot of – there's a lot of teams left in their schedule that can run the football, starting with this one this coming weekend against Texas A&M with the real capable back Travion Williams they have. But, um, you know, overall, I mean, it's something they've definitely got to shore up. I agree with you 100%. They've got talent up there, uh, but it's a, it's a lot of young talent. I mean, you're looking yeah, at the linebacker core with T.J. Brunson, Sherrod Green, and then with Eldridge Thompson and D.J. Wannabe. And, I mean, you're looking at guys like Damani Staley, Rosendo Lewis that are getting – tons and tons of playing time when they're they're just not ready to go. Rosendo I mean, Lewis isn't, I don't think, physically at the point where he should be playing linebacker in the SEC, in my opinion. I just, I mean, it just seems like, in my opinion, the best defensive line they could put out there would be putting Kobe Smith and Javon Kenlaw at defensive tackle. Let those two start there. Slide, um, what's the, uh, Kier Thomas out to end, and then let Bryson Alwyns play Buck until – DJ Warner comes back. When DJ Warner comes back, put him in buck and then move Bryce in the linebacker at will and then let TJ be TJ and say it, you know, Mike linebacker. I just think that's the best we can put out there right now. Right. No, absolutely. And I, w- I will say this overall for the defensive unit, because there were a lot of really solid performances on Saturday. And the biggest kudos I want to give to the defense and that defensive staff, Will Muschamp, T Rob, was the way the defense was able to bow their neck and win in the red zone. That's yeah, something we've no, talked definitely. about a lot this season as far as. You know, that goes a long way in the side in games. I mean, Steve Spurrier used to say a lot of times when you go down there and kick a lot of field goals, you you get beat. And that's exactly what happened Saturday. Missouri was only up nine at halftime. And by all accounts of most people I talked to, they felt like it was a three or four score game. But it was just simply because the Gamecocks were able to bow up um, and really just hold, you know, hold Missouri to field goals when they had to. And I, that was really, to me, the biggest the biggest difference in that game. Um, it reminded me, honestly, the first two years of the Muschamp era where I think the defenses have been better, but, I mean, the characteristics of the defense have been really similar as far as bend but don't break. I mean, that's kind of been the whole mantra while Will Muschamp has been building this program and getting the talent he needs in there to have an elite-level defense. South Carolina has been a very bend but don't break defense, and it's, you know, it's won them a lot of ball games over two and a half years. So I was really impressed with that. Obviously, we can't get off the defense without talking about the uh, the performances of a couple guys. I want to start with, first off, Bryson Allen-Williams. I thought he had a fantastic game, was all over the field. I feel like he's a guy, Tom, that is, you know, with the linebacking core having its weaknesses, he is one guy that I really feel like is finally coming into his own and being the guy that we all thought he could be when he was recruited to come to Carolina. I agree. I think he's played, you know, very well this season. And he's, you know, when the competent, when the, when the, People knock on the door, he's shown up. And I, I really think that's something I really didn't expect this season. I expected him to be, you know, something we kind of forgot about really halfway through the year. But he's played he play really well. Something, you know, we can appreciate considering how bad our linebackers have been. 
Yeah, he. I mean, he's been all over the field, a real disruptor, which is, I yeah. think is what the what the staff looked to him uh, looked to him for. Another guy we've got to mention is J.C. Horn. I mean, holy crap, this kid, a true freshman playing like a senior, like an All American. I mean, J.C. Horn. We, me, and you were texting back and forth on Saturday. J.C. Horn is three years and done at South Carolina, and it's yeah. because he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL very, very soon, being a cover corner. I mean, this kid. Um, you know, for what he did in the coverage game, obviously the play that a lot of people have been talking about is the the play against Demaria Crockett where he was able to swipe at the feet and get Crockett to barely drag his foot out of bounds, hold Missouri out of the end zone. And then on that drive, obviously, uh, Mizzou stumbles a little bit, a couple penalties, and the Gamecocks hold them to nothing. They forced Missouri to punt. Um, so that was one of the biggest plays in the game. But J.C. Horn, you know, we obviously were somewhat critical of him, obviously, against what happened with Kentucky where he had the penalty, the silly penalty. But I, I really thought on Saturday, Tom, maybe his best performance in Garnet and Black thus far. And I honestly think for Horn, the sky is the limit, and he's only going to get better from here. Yeah, I agree. I think that he played really well. A play that nobody really talks about is that two-point conversion Missouri went for where oh, yeah. he was he was matched up on their tight end and just goes and makes a play. Makes it where, you know, they obviously there's two points from the Lake is that field goal we'd have hit last minute would have won tied the game. And small things like that, you know, he's making really big effort plays. And I read somewhere on Twitter today that he clocked in apparently at 22 miles an hour when he was running yeah. down that guy. That's like 4-4, four, 4-3 four, four, speed. Like, that's, that is insane to see. Yeah, no, that's – yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, J.C. Horn – J.C. Horn is one of the kind of guys that's going to transform the South Carolina defense and the South Carolina program, in my opinion. You yeah. keep getting guys like that in. That's kind of what Will Muschamp is trying to build. And I think that's sort of what he meant last week with his comments when he said it. He said, I wish we had more guys like that. I, you know, you never have to tell him to giddy up. you got to tell him to slow down. I think that's kind of what Will Muschamp meant is that the guys that are cut from the same cloth as J.C. Horn, those are the kind of guys, not just on defense, but offense as well, but especially on the defensive side, those are the kind of guys that are going to change your program and build you into an elite-level defense. If you can have 11 J.C. Horns on that side of the ball, you're, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, the one shout-out I want to give as well, because we had talked about him last week, kind of where he where had he been. Jamias Williams gets back in the fold, had an interception on Saturday, one of the one of the wildest plays I've ever seen as far as – I don't know how he came down with it. It was, you know, it, it was a – crazy interception kind of just lands on the Missouri guy falls in a Jamias Williams uh stomach as he's laying on the ground but you know obviously Tom we talked about it just great to see Jamias Williams sort of get back in the fold and he made a couple good plays on Saturday so exciting to see him kind of kind of get his season going a little bit yeah I agree I think he played one of his better games started safety because of um JT Eve being out but you know obviously made the play the interception play, but there was another play in the end zone where he was a little bit behind the receiver. Drew Locke floated it to him, and he makes a play on the ball, stops from scoring a touchdown. And obviously, they had to kick a field goal that drive. Just small plays like that that win you ball games. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree. Um, before we get off and kind of give our biggest takeaways and hand out some game balls, we got to talk about the special teams. I mean, the job that Parker White has done this season and did on Saturday has been phenomenal I mean I know I've been eating crow Tom because I don't know if me and you both but I know me specifically I thought that the Kent transfer Shane Hines I predicted he would win the starting job at kicker not only did he not win the starting job but he's not on the roster anymore and meanwhile Parker White is out here kicking game winning field goals to put the Gamecocks give the Gamecocks a victory to me what just not even so much what he did, but what he did in those conditions to go three for three on that wet field and an absolute downpour um, to me was crazy. And, you know, we talked about, is it too early to say that Parker White is now a weapon for this South Carolina team? 
I think Parker White has become a pretty dependable option and possibly a weapon if you're if you're you know in a close ball game and need a game winner. I mean, Parker White showing the nerves of steel, and I mean what he did on Saturday was phenomenal, and he deserves all the all the praise and all the credit in the world for battling adversity a season ago and really turning into the player that he's become this season. Yeah, I agree. I think he's played very well. Eight for nine on the year has a long of uh. I think, four, yeah, 42 long. I mean, they haven't put him in situations like they did last year, but obviously he's played up the part of this year. He's come to the bat. But, I mean, he has two game winners this Chris. So obviously, that's not going to be a problem, his kicking game winners. He has it in his veins. He got the ice in his, ice in his veins, as, they, as the young kids like to say. But uh, uh, he's played really well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, just the ice in his veins. He talked about how Louisiana Tech a year ago really helped him as far as moving into this ball game, But you know, again, kudos, job well done to Parker White, because I know he's a guy that last season everyone was very critical of. I mean, yeah. obviously, anytime you're missing field goals at that rate, um, it's hard not to be critical. But he went this offseason, got a lot better, and, I mean, he's he's showing on the field. Um, can't get all special teams, though, with talking about the other side of it, which is the punting game, um, which was a what is an experience. Uh, Joseph Charlton yeah. had a – what was it? He had a muff. Uh, he also muffed had one. Blocked. Um, so a, an adventure, if you will, in the special teams game as far as the punting game, and that's just something you have to hope that, you know, South Carolina can get corrected. I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's not very often – I don't know what the statistics are, but when you get a punt blocked, it's not very often you're going to win the football game. But when you get a yeah. punt blocked and you met, you muff one uh, – Well, he almost he, got the first down on that muff. He, like, yeah. took off and ran with it. And I was like, oh, he's going to make it. And then he started running after, like, the third step. I was like, no, nah, he's going to get ran down really fast. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. That was that was actually pretty funny to see him kind of just running. All of a sudden, you you just realized how much faster that guy was when him when you saw him take off after him. But um, you know, it's just not very often that you're going to get that many failed you know punt tries, if you will, and win the football game. So an impressive feat there as well. But it's not something I'm really concerned about. Just kind of one of those wacky things that happened within that game. You know, I it, I thought it was just kind of crazy, Tom. You know, I'm not going to dr- name drop any names here, obviously, but people kind of coming at this team not coming at this team but just coming at this game overall saying well you know the only reason South Carolina won was a torrential downpour in the third quarter I mean I could argue the only reason the game was close is because South Carolina had two blunders on punts that should have you know yeah, never should have like happened. 12 I think so, it was, I'm saying that because of the missed punts I'm pretty sure Missouri had it was, I feel like someone said 12 I don't think that's right you can't get up to them drives but I know they got like 10 plus points from those two my right. points South, I mean, South yeah, Carolina too. It's not. It's not South Carolina's team's fault that they played better in those conditions. Yeah, it was funny because South Carolina looked like they were trained and looked like they played practice in the rain every day. And Missouri looked like they had never seen rain before. I mean, it was just absolutely nuts overall from that game. Uh, also, what do you think of the fake field goal? I mean, I, I thought I could kind of see that coming. I sort of wish you just keep the offense on the field, but Muschamp yeah. said he felt really comfortable about the call on a fourth and seven situation. They were in fourth and nine, and that's why they didn't get it. I mean, I appreciate the creativity, but. Um, I just appreciate more so they're not asking Parker White to kick 50 yarders anymore. That that's they've taken that off. And I think that's one of the reasons he's been so much better this season. But um, you know, that definitely an interesting call there as well that thankfully didn't come back to haunt you. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it's something that I, I would have rather, like you said, I would have rather seen them go for it. But um, it's cool to see they actually do have fakes. I would have never not not expected it, but I never would expect them to use a fake field goal in that game. 
Yeah, 100%. But, you know, overall, just kind of putting a pin in this game, Tom, I mean, I think this one was one Saturday. It didn't matter who was at quarterback, who was playing, how it happened. You had to win this football game. Yeah. I mean, after, after what happened on the road at Kentucky, after all the negativity swirling around the program, and, you know, I, I give kudos to Will Muschamp, that staff, and that entire football team because we questioned the mental toughness of this team. We questioned – I know I did. I, I questioned the mental toughness. I questioned – the mentality of South Carolina coming in this game and just the mentality of South Carolina going into important games in general, because this, this game on, on Saturday against Missouri, let's face it. It wasn't, it wasn't a big game in the sense like it was a Georgia or on the road at Kentucky or Clemson or Florida, any of those, but this game was extremely important. There was pressure on this game. I mean, South Carolina, you could kind of feel, I mean, as I was watching this game, in the second half, every play was like this, there, this, the Gamecock season is hinging on every play right now. I mean, you could feel that. And for South Carolina to go out there, you know, Will Muschamp said it immediately after the game that don't ever question our mental toughness, don't ever come after our mental toughness. So, Will, if you were talking to us, we appreciate that you tune into the Spurs Up show at least. But, um, <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I know that was something I questioned. It was great to just see that resiliency. You know, South Carolina, you know, South Carolina could have easily hung their heads and just kind of mailed it in when that Missouri kicker. Let's talk about that as well. Kid hits a 57-yarder yeah. to give Missouri the lead. I thought there was no way he was going to make that. I, I, just, I thought there was no way he would make that. Um, Missouri kicker drills that you got a little bit over a minute left, and Michael Skarnecki and that offense, what they do to get down the field. Um, Brian Edwards was absolutely fantastic on that final drive. I know he's had some struggles this season as far as not catching the football, and he's admitted that as well. But what he did on that final drive is – in my opinion, what's make, what makes Brian Edwards Brian Edwards. I mean, Mr. Dependability. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, Michael Skarnecki able to find Kyle Markway streaking down the field just just wide open. Missouri forgot about the kid that's from the state of Missouri. Um, just streaking down the field wide open. And, you know, Tom, I didn't realize how old Kyle Markway is in the sense that I was uh, looking at highlights from 2015 because I posted one of those, the social today or whatever. Looking at highlights from 2015, he caught a pass in that game. And I'm just thinking, wow, Kyle Markway has been, been around the block. He's been around. So, um, but so was Michael Skarnecki. It's so really no difference. But anyways, hits my hits Kyle Markway to get down the field. Hits Brian Edwards. What I, what I thought was a huge third down conversion to make it more of a chip shot field goal. And then Parker White, you know, able to seal the deal and give the Gamecocks the win. So, you know, overall, Tom, I mean, my, you know, last impressions. I just it was a huge game. You had to win it. Um, now you flush it and move on. But I just think one the Gamecocks absolutely had to have on Saturday, and they were able to get it done. Um, moving into the biggest takeaways, Tom, what was your biggest takeaway from Saturday from the Gamecocks W? Uh, that Michael Skarnecchia is a lot better than people on Twitter said that he was. And calling out Rob Profit on this one, you biggest hater I've ever seen in Michael Skarnecchia. I'm on the scar train, starting every game rest year. <laughs> just, just kidding. Rob, love you. You do great. But – um. Anyway, I, I thought he played really well. He played a lot better than I would have expected. You know, in those conditions for him to throw more than 50 – complete more than 50% of his passes and throw three touchdowns and, you know, threw a questionable ball or two. But really, I think the biggest thing he did was throw catchable footballs. He put it to where his receivers could catch it every time, it seemed like. Almost every play, he just made a good throw and made the right decision. And I, I really don't think I could ask more of a backup to do that in his first game ever starting. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. I mean, you know, I – there were, you know, I don't want to speak to Rob specifically, but there, there were a lot of interesting – this whole quarterback debate, contra, I don't want to call it a controversy, but this quarterback competition has 
raised a lot of interesting questions and it's brought out a lot of interesting takes from people that either cover the Gamecocks, have opinions on the Gamecocks, what have you, um, you know, as far as who should play and just kind of some of the doubts people had going into Saturday. Um, you know, it, it's been very interesting to look at. You know, obviously, you know, overall, I'll just get into my biggest takeaway and then we can talk about that a little bit. But, you know, I, I've kind of went back and forth. I mean, it, that's a game where it's very hard to take something away. But I guess my biggest takeaway is that South Carolina is a mentally tough football team. You know, when I maybe felt questioned their mental toughness and was unsure, um, you know, what was kind of wrong with them mentally going into important games and the big games. South Carolina is a mentally tough football team. I was wrong. I'll eat my crow and say it right here on the Spurs Up show. But uh, that was something that was great to see because South Carolina is going to need to display that moving through the rest of the season. Because at this point, every game is the biggest game of the season. Uh, Every game is a must-win game. If you want to keep those goals you had in front of you, you want to keep those goals alive. Um, Let's give out some game balls, Tom, and then we'll get back to what you were talking about kind of with the quarterback situation before we get into A&M because I think that's – that's sort of what, what's on everybody's mind right now. I'll go ahead and start with game balls for uh, the Missouri game. For me, on offense, my game ball goes to Brian Edwards. Um, just, again, the game that he had on Saturday, um, two touchdown catches for Brian, seven catches, 73 yards. But just the clutch catches that he had was really what set it apart for me. I mean, Brian Edwards, again, Mr. Dependability. Um, you know, there's a, that, that's why he's Brian Edwards. And I think Will Muschamp said it maybe in 2016, that's why you recruit a guy like Brian Edwards, to make plays like that. That's why you want him to come to South Carolina. And, you know, I was just really impressed and glad to see him have a bounce-back game after kind of a rough game, not just for him, but the entire offense, but, excuse me, after a rough game against Kentucky. Uh, For defense, for me, I talked about him earlier, linebacker Bryson Allen-Williams was a guy that had a fantastic game on Saturday. Again, he's kind of come into his own – excuse me, guys, sorry about that – has come into his own – and, again, just kind of been the guy we all hoped and expected he would be. Um, stats on Saturday, six tackles, three for loss, two hurries, and a sack. I mean, was all over the field. Had a had a one series where actually on back-to-back plays, he had a tackle for loss and a sack. So he was all over the place, been a disruptor, and I think he's a guy that while South Carolina has been – obviously the linebacking core has been their glaring weakness, he has definitely been one of the bright spots. But, Tom, what were your uh, – who are you giving your game balls to for the uh, performances on Saturday? Well, um, on offense, I'm going to go with a guy who doesn't really play offense, but he scores points. I'm going to go Parker White as my offensive player of the week, give him, give him my game ball. He uh, threw three on field goals, hit the game winner. Kid has ice in his veins. I just, you know, specialist matter too. For defense, I'm going to go defensive back J.C. Horn. Had four press breakups. You know, played as well as I think anyone could expect a freshman to play. A guy who is most likely going to get all SEC freshman team. I would be shocked if he didn't. And I, I would, if he continues the way he played against Missouri, he'll probably end up getting a freshman All-American. Just guy who's played really well, done a lot more than I'd expect coming out of fall camp. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy what he's – again, we talked about it earlier, but it's just crazy what he's done as a freshman and just how good he's looked. And he has not been phased by the moment. He's a guy that carries himself – with a lot of swagger. I mean, I think that comes from his dad, Joe Horn, playing in the NFL for so many years. He's not a guy that's going to shy away from the moment and shy away from the from the lights, if you will. Um, before we get into Texas A&M, you know, obviously there's been a ton of talk again with the quarterback situation. Um, will Muschamp coming out in his press today declaring that, you know, Jake Bentley, if healthy, will start the game on Saturday. And what it's sounding like is that he will be ready to go. Um, they said that he practiced today. Jake Bentley saying he 100% expects to start. He expects to be ready to go. Um, and, from the, again, from all the conversations they had that Jake Bentley's healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback. 
Um, what I was talking about earlier, you know, there have been a lot of interesting conversations that have come up on social media because everybody's got a voice, obviously, um, which is great. You know, it gives people the opportunity to kind of voice their opinions and <clears throat> be heard as far as what is going on with the Gamecocks. And that's a good thing. Um, however, I, I do want to make the clarification for people that if, if you follow along with me or follow along with Armchair South Carolina, you know, we're going to give our opinions in an unfiltered way and don't get it twisted. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we're not uh, some of these other media outlets out there where we don't have to hide the fact that we, we are fans of the team. We are South Carolina fans through and through. We have season tickets. We go to the games. We cheer on the Gamecocks, no matter who is in, who is out there, no matter who the head coach is, no matter who the quarterback is. Um, the, the thing that bothers me, this notion that if you're critical of someone, you don't like them or you have some vendetta against them is just inaccurate. Um, and I think that's something we've seen a lot of. Now, I've heard from fans on social media that there are apparently some people that are hoping South Carolina loses if X quarterback starts or if Y quarterback starts, and that's foolish. If, if you're someone like that, you're not a fan to begin with. Let's just be honest. You're, you're not a fan. You, you, you're a poser. I don't know what to call you. You're a hater, but you're not a fan. That, that, that's just – that's ridiculous. But, you know, we've, we, we've been – I, I want to put it this way, because Armchair South Carolina, we on this podcast have been the biggest Jake Bentley supporters. The biggest Jake Bentley supporters leading up. Last year, I, I con constantly defended Jake Bentley to those outside of the, the South Carolina program that wanted to attack Jake Bentley and say he wasn't a good quarterback and defended him all offseason. And Armchair South Carolina, you can go back and listen to our past shows. We have been on Jake Bentley's bandwagon coming into this season. We really thought he was going to take the next step. And who knows? There, there's a lot of football left to be played in this season. What, there's seven more games, if you include the makeup game they should have. Um, there's a lot of football left to be played. And this, this, next, this next seven games plus his senior season, there's a lot of time that he has where Jake Bentley could reverse a lot of the negative stigma about him or some of the, the thoughts about him as far as in big games and just in, in important games, if you will. But the notion that if you're critical of someone, you have a vendetta against them, you don't like them, you are pulling against them, is just ridiculous. And the amount of people, <clears throat> excuse me, the amount of people that I've seen, they want to be right so bad, they get mad when a guy like Michael Skarnicki goes out and wins the football game for you. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but that has something we've seen. And, you know, people, listen, people have to understand that the only reason we're being critical of these guys, of Jake Bentley, of anybody on the South Carolina team, we want to win. We, I want to win. We want to win. Everybody, we're all on the same team in that regard, that we all want to see the Gamecocks win, right? We want to see them get better. So whenever we're critical, I know today, you know, we're recording this on the 9th on Tuesday. I've been extremely critical of Jake Bentley, and I thought that, you know, I think – I thought – I really think Michael Skarnecki earned another start. You know, you're, you've got a quarterback who's not, – not, let's just take the stats out of it. You've got a quarterback who's coming off of a knee injury, a grade one MCL sprain. Nothing to be messed with. I mean, if he gets hit wrong one time, his season might be over. So you've got a guy in that that's coming back from that injury that has not played well. Let's just call it as it is. He has not played well in 2018. you got a guy, Michael Skarnicki. I understand that, you know, the coaches have said that there's this wide gap that Jake Bentley is our number one guy. But Michael Skarnicki showed you what he's capable of. I understand it was against Missouri. 
Missouri does not have a great secondary or a great defense as a whole. But either way, it was in a game that you had to win, a lot of pressure. I mean, he faced all the adversity you could ask. He faced all of the adversity that could be thrown his way. Was Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected, led South Carolina down the field. He made some huge throws on that last drive, some huge throws. Fit balls into tight windows in that last drive, put it right in their bread basket where it had to be. So, overall, you know, Tom, I'll, I'll let you kind of jump in here. The quarterback situation has been, been very interesting. I just want people to understand that listen to the Spurs Up show, that follow along with Armchair South Carolina. We don't necessarily care who starts a quarterback. We want to win the football game. The only reason I, that I think either you or I have any interact or any reaction or have any sort of opinion on it. We want the guy that's going to give South Carolina the best opportunity to win that football game. And the only reason that I think you or I would get upset with maybe hearing the news today is that right now, with the way Jake Bentley has played, I understand he has the experience. Maybe he has more upside than Michael Skarnecchia. He definitely has the experience, but does he realistically right now give you a better chance to win than Michael Skarnecchia with the way he has been playing this season. I don't care what he did in 2016 as a freshman against Tennessee or what he did against Missouri in 2016. We're talking about 2018, the way he's looked in this offense against against decent competition. I mean, Georgia and Kentucky. I mean, that we're talking about those two games. Georgia, obviously, they're much better than South Carolina. But Kentucky, I understand they're for real. They have a good defense. But if we're going to give Jake Bentley credit for shredding up Coastal Carolina and Vanderbilt, we need to give credit to Michael Skarnecchia for what he did against Missouri on Saturday. Tom, what are your thoughts, obviously, going on with this this ongoing quarterback competition? I mean, obviously, I want to reiterate what you said and that I don't – I really don't care who goes out there as long as South Carolina wins. And if we win, then I'm happy. I don't care about anything else. And – what Bentley's done in the last three games is he's not played well. He's thrown a ton of interceptions. And he hadn't really played. He just hasn't played like a starting SEC quarterback. And Skarnecchia, they ask him a fifth-year senior who's never started a game before in his life to go out there and play and win the ball game for them, take him down the field with a minute left in the game and win the game, and he does it for them. And you can't reward a fifth-year senior with starting another game of quarterback. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that you know. I'm not some kind of insider theory here saying that everything's – they're going to play Bentley because he's the face of the program, stuff like that. If Skarnicki is the one who's playing better, let him play. I just don't understand that. I mean, when you go to the hot hand, and that just seems what makes sense to me. Muschamp seems like he's just – he's maybe he's too loyal to one guy, and I don't know if that's the case here. And, I don't, and maybe that's what's hurt him so far in his coaching career. But, I mean, obviously I would just think Skarnicki is going to play like that for you. You would at least have to let him try against A&M. Sure, if he goes out against A&M with back-to-back drafts and has three and outs, then let Bentley come in and play the rest of the game. But for you to just say Bentley's our starter if he's healthy, regardless of the way he played last week, then I, that's just ridiculous to me. I just don't understand that. From what I know from football is that if a guy comes in for you for a starter, plays better than him, he gets to play the next week regardless of what the starter did and if this, or the previous starter did. If he continues to play well, then he should continue to start and be the main player. I just don't understand that. That's how sports has always worked for me. And, you know, I just don't I just don't understand how South Carolina's coaches can ask Skarniecki to do that and then prove and do everything that he asks out of them and not reward him by it. Well, you've been here for five years, and we're just going to let you go ride the pond some more, even though you did everything we asked for. It doesn't make sense to me. It's one of the most questionable decisions I've ever seen in my life, and something that could happen Saturday is that Jake Bentley goes and starts, and he gets hurt. Not, not that he gets hurt, but maybe he isn't really himself, and he's scared to get hurt hit because of his knee. 
and he doesn't play really well, and we're down 21-3 to going into halftime. You can't ask a fifth-year senior to come and take you out of that. Now, if we were in that kind of situation with, you know, if Skarnickia goes in and we're down 14-0 in the first quarter, I want to getting pulled. Or if it's, and if it's Bentley, he's not. That's just the way it is right now. I don't understand it. And I, this isn't, for me, hating Jake Bentley. I love Jake Bentley as a quarterback and a player. I think he's one of the most tough guys I've ever seen play in my life. But he just hasn't produced. And when a guy isn't producing, you should go to the alternative. I, I mean, look what he did against Kentucky and Georgia, which is good to great. I mean, it's good competition. And that's what a and going to be. a and going to play us really well. So he hasn't played well against those two teams this year. So why would I expect him to go out against Texas A&M and, you know, play a good ball game? Yeah, no, I understand. Agree with a lot of points you made. I, I will say I'll go to the other side of it. As far as I, the one part I do understand is that if you don't, if Jake Bentley is healthy and you don't start him, what does it say to, you know, just the rest of the season when you you do need him or say Skarnacki does struggle in the beginning and it's like, well, you know, you didn't believe in me coming back from injury. I, you know, that that's the only. I, I'm only just looking at it from the other side to give a different perspective, but. I mean, I 100% agree with you in the sense – the one thing I'll say is that South Carolina, at least, if nothing else, the biggest positive from this is that they know they've got a guy behind Jake Bentley where, Jake, if, you, if, you're, if you're not getting the job done, we're going to go to this guy. We know yeah. he can – We know he can. he's proven he can get it done, at least to some capacity. He may not have all the upside you have or the arm talent, but he's a guy that can at least manage the game, not turn – he's not going to play us out of the football game. If, if yeah. Need. And, and that's maybe, only that, – go ahead. And maybe something that's going to help Bentley play better is knowing that he has stiff competition behind him now, knowing that he can get pulled if he doesn't play that well. Because that's what I think part of that is what made him play so well when his freshman year, knowing because he had competition, he had to go out and perform every week. And when you're a player and you know that you don't have a backup behind you that's any good and you can play whatever, however and still be the starter next week, you kind of play like you don't care. That's why people – that's why kids at Alabama and Clemson play so well is because they know the competition behind them is just as good as they are, if not better, and they're having to play for their job every week. And when, you know, you're Bentley and you're not having to play for your job, if you're any player you're not having to play for your job, then you're going to – and you know you can go and play poor, and it's not going to matter next week. And that's just what drives me crazy. Yeah, and that's something Will Muschamp talks about all the time. Good on good work, iron sharpens iron. I mean, it's the same exact way with the quarterback position. Um I mean, again, just to reiterate, I mean, we we want the guy in there that's going to win ball games. And yeah. the only the only criticism I have, and the biggest criticism I have with Jake Bentley is that we're twenty five games in with Jake Bentley. You, you at what he is at this point, man, you know what you're going to get out of the kid. You know who he is. He's not going to change all of a sudden. Um, you know, maybe he has that breakout, that career defining game still in him. I don't know, but the thing that kind of annoys me as well is that people – I feel like I've never seen a quarterback so much so where people just want to make excuses for everything that happens with Jake Bentley. Listen, I've watched a ton of football. Your defense isn't always going to play well. Your offensive line isn't always going to play well. Your wide receivers are not always going to catch every single football, and those things are not Jake Bentley's fault. I'm not putting that on Jake Bentley. But at some point, you just got to shut up and go win a game. You just yeah. got to shut up and go win a football game that maybe you're not supposed to win. But this game coming up, which we're about to dive into Texas A&M, this is one of those games to me that just sort of defines who Jake Bentley – this is going to define how we think of Jake Bentley because this is not Georgia. This is not Clemson. A&M's got a ton of talent, especially on the defensive side of the football. You know, they got Jimbo Fisher, head coach now. The Aggies come in this game. They just beat number 13, Kentucky. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. 
Um, but this isn't this isn't a Texas A&M team that's a top ten football team. They're twenty second rank in the country right now, but they're not a top ten football team. This is a game where you may not be even talent level. I wouldn't say right now South Carolina's even talent level, but it's very close. It's This is a toss-up kind of game. Vegas came out. This is a two-and-a-half-point spread. This game's a toss-up. This is going to be one of those kind of games. Jake Bentley, do you step up to the plate? Are you going to have a good football? Are you going to have a good game? Are you going to lead this offense and be the guy that South Carolina needs you to be, or is it going to be another letdown performance? And, you know, time will only tell. I mean, obviously, again, I just want everybody to know that the Spurs up showing armchair South Carolina – we are Jake Bentley's biggest fans on Saturday, um, but I'm in show-me mode because I have we have gotten our hopes up for Jake Bentley so, so many times, and he has let us down so many times. So, Jake Bentley, go out and prove it to me and, and, and make me eat my words. I would love nothing more. Um, again, let's move into Texas A&M because, obviously, I know the quarterback, the quarterback conversation could go on for – for hours and hours, I yeah. feel like. But tech, it, it is Texas A&M week. The Gamecocks face the Aggies Saturday at 3.30 on SEC Network uh, in Williams-Brice Stadium. Like I mentioned, Texas A&M open as a two-point favorite. Spread now moved to uh, Aggies favor by two-and-a-half. Over-under set at 53-and-a-half. The series history, you all probably know, Texas A&M leads the series 4-0. Gamecocks have not been able to beat the Aggies. Um, have not been able to beat the Aggies since they joined the SEC. Um, last year in College Station, South Carolina, that was a game that I really thought slipped away from them. I, I believe they were up 17-7 to in that game. A&M Storms back was able to win 24-17 to in the game that you'll remember, Tom. Jake Bentley was running for his life all, yeah. all game, really, but mainly in the fourth quarter. Was, I think he was sacked six times in that game. Uh, again, Texas A&M comes in 4-2 and two overall, 22nd in the AP poll. There are only, they're only two losses, Tom, two Alabama and Clemson. So, I mean, they played Clemson – down to the wire in a game that arguably they should have won. I've had some questionable officiating in that one. Um, but overall, Tom, you know, let's just get into it right now, breaking down the Aggies. I mean, this is a team, again, that has got talent. They're riding high. You know, we, we you're going to hear an interview in a little bit with Olin Buchanan at TexAgs.com. Uh, talk with him a little about this Texas, Texas A&M squad. And they're, they're feeling pretty confident, but I think they're – they're somewhat like South Carolina. Well, they're, they're very Jekyll and Hyde. You don't really know what to expect out of those guys. And, um, you know, I, I think this one's got the makings of possibly a classic on Saturday. Um, we'll move into – because, you know, Texas a comes in this game, number one ranked rush defense in the SEC, fourth ranked in the entire country. They're only giving up 78 rush yards per game. Um, and, you know, Tom, this really feels like a game to me. We talked about Jake Bentley. Whoever's at quarterback, you've got to find a way to beat Texas A&M through the air because what South Carolina has shown us, you know, Missouri came in last week, the number two ranked rush defense in the SEC. They weren't really able to rush for 127 yards. I feel like if you're going to win this football game, you're going to have to do it through the air at some capacity. Yeah, I agree. I think that whoever goes out there for quarterback on Saturday – or plays throughout the game has to be able to sling the absolute crap out of the ball because Texas A&M isn't going to let you run on them. If they're not, if Kentucky can't run the ball against them, or if Clemson can't run the ball against them, then our chances to run the ball against them are probably slim to none. I, I would just think that we're going to have to throw it for three hundred plus yards to win this ball game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't doubt that. I mean, they held. You know, I, I think I told you pre-show they held Clemson to one hundred and fifteen rushing yards uh, in the game in College Station, which is by far Clemson's lowest total. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with what those guys are doing, but Travis Etienne might win the Heisman the way he's been playing. Those guys yeah. are running all over people. So obviously, an impressive performance there. Um, you know, offensively, I have some concerns as well because obviously with South Carolina, their linebacking core not being you know up to the standards we had hoped. 
<clears throat> not being up to the standards that we had hoped. Uh, Travion Williams, the running back for the Aggies, is an absolutely fantastic player. He's already over 700 rush yards uh, for this season. Kellen Mond, a very, very capable quarterback, um, has been sort of hit and miss, if you will. Um, had some inconsistencies, but he's a guy, you know, I think you kind of saw what, what he was capable of in that Clemson game. Uh, really kept him in that football game, was really dynamic. Um, had He's had some struggles, if you will. I mean, again, you know, Texas A&M was only able to score, what, 14 points, I believe. Yeah, 14 points against uh, Kentucky. So it's not like they lit the world on fire. Um, but overall, Tom, I, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting matchups. And I, I think it starts with, can South Carolina contain Kellen Mond? Because he can beat you not only through the air, but with his legs as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, stopping them in the ground game is going to be something that we have to do to win this game. I mean, it's like, it's simple stuff like that is, you know, I <laughs> running for more than the opponent does, score more points, things like that you don't really think about. But Kellen Mond's a guy that's going to come in and, you know, play well for them. I don't think that he there's any chance that he just comes in and lays an egg against us. But our defense overall has to have a really good game for us to win. Yeah, 100%. Uh, moving more towards to the – just the impact it'll have on this season, Tom. I really want to just talk about – I mean, you think about it. It's really crazy to think South Carolina came in the 2018 season with two – let me think. With two SEC teams now, two four-game losing streaks, one that has already been extended to five games, and another on Saturday, if you don't get the W, would be a five-game losing streak. Tom, I, you know, give me your thoughts on this, but in my opinion, this game to me is it, it's vital to the, the momentum that the program created last season and the momentum South Carolina has going for itself on the recruiting trail and just – this quote-unquote rebuilding process that Will Muschamp has got South County in. Because, obviously, when you take a look at the season before it ever started, you know, Kentucky was a game you we, we expected South County to find a way to break that streak. Texas A&M was, you know, a toss-up, if you will. But when you were picking the season and you had the Gamecocks going 9-3, and three, even 8-4, and four, Texas beating Texas A&M in Jimbo Fisher's first year was sort of a, that's one you should win. It's at home. Yeah. And you, you should win that football game. Just talk about kind of the importance of this game. Because to me, in my personal opinion, just again, for the direction of this program and especially for this season, this is a vital game on Saturday. I mean, I don't really know how many recruiting battles South Carolina and Texas A&M are really going to get into. I mean, obviously, the top guy that everybody's in for is going to be a battle to the last second. But I think that you obviously want to beat whoever you're playing. And A&M's had our number since they've gone to SEC for, for whatever reason. I don't really know why. You know, but – and last year, I think, was a game that if Jake Bentley would have been running for his life so much, they probably could have ended up winning. But, I mean, obviously it matters, but I'm really more concerned about what are you doing this year and how, how are we going to play this year. I don't really care about years in the past. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And, you know, I would say, you know, I think that that game being in College Station a year ago really changed the momentum of that game, and A&M yeah. was able to feed off their crowd. And, I'm, ex you know, I think we're all expecting it. It's, it should be a pretty raucous environment Saturday inside Williams-Brice. The, the forecast for Saturday is absolutely beautiful. I think the high is like 77 degrees, which for Columbia, South Carolina, is a pretty, pretty comfortable weather, if you will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think for – you just cannot have two five-game losing streaks in the SEC. And just this is one that – you know, as far as this is one of those swing games, you know, will South Carolina be able to pull out one of those swing games? And um, I just think it's going to go a long way to, you know, the goals of this season and, you know, going, going to four and two going in the bye week is a lot more fun than going three and three and just having a lot of questions moving forward about the rest of your season. And, you know, you kind of having to realign your goals, honestly. I mean, I think if you lose this game, nine wins is, 
very much out of the question. I mean, it, it might already be out of the question at this point. I mean, it's not so much out of the question at this point because I think you can still beat Florida, Ole Miss, obviously. But you lose this game, nine wins is pretty much out of the question. It's going to take a really good effort to get to eight. Um, you know, obviously you want to see South Carolina continue to build again on the nine and four season they had a year ago. So I, I just think this is one of those swing games that South Carolina needs to get on the right side of, of for sure. Um, let's talk about some key matchups, Tom. Um, I'll go ahead and start with mine first. Obviously, we've talked about the linebacking core being somewhat of a problem. Um, so my, my key matchup with the game Saturday, and this is just one of many, but linebacker Sherrod Green against, against Texas A&M's uh, talented tight end Jay Sternberger. Um, Sherrod Green has had his ups and downs, and that's putting it lightly in 2018. Um, a guy that we've been highly critical of. I know a lot of other people have been highly critical of and just some of the plays he has or had not, has not made, if you will. Um, Jay Sternberger, a really, really capable guy, tight end for them. I don't have all the stats pulled up, but he's just been a guy, Tom, that's an absolute weapon, is a mismatch nightmare for those guys, that the uh, the transfer into A&M. Um, so I think that will be one of the biggest ones because I think with a guy like Kellen Mond, he's still very young. Uh, he's a sophomore quarterback, and he's going to be looking for a guy like Sternberger to be his kind of his safety valve, if you will, a guy he can look to on third down, a guy he can look to when he's under pressure. and. Uh, I think it's going to take a good, you know, a good game from not only Sherrod Green, but whoever else may be covering him in the linebacking core to uh, to shut him down on Saturday. And I thought the Gamecocks, I will say, did a great job against the Missouri tight ends, who they had two very capable guys at tight ends. So they need to have a repeat performance uh, in that regards on Saturday. Tom, what's your what's your key matchup you're looking for on Saturday? Uh, really agree with your key matchup. Just want to say that I almost started Jay Sternberger in my fantasy college league just because I knew that how it was a good chance he's probably going to go off this weekend. But um, my key matchup is going to be TJ Brunson versus Travion Williams. Like you said before, he's a very capable back for Texas A&M. Done a really good job this year. He went twenty, had 24 carries for 138 and a touchdown against Kentucky. Obviously, I think that we have an equal about talent-wise in the front seven as Kentucky does, if not a little bit better, I think, on our side. But Obviously, I think TJ has to have a big game getting off blocks and making those tackles against him. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. I, I agree with you 100%. And I, like I told you before, I think Travion Williams, that, that's that's a matchup that concerns me a little bit, especially when you watch the way the run defense performed against Missouri uh, this past Saturday. I mean, it's Travion Williams just a very, very capable back. And they're, they're going to have to slow him down if they want to win this football game. There's no way you're going to win with Travion Williams going – you know, upper hundreds, low two hundreds against you. There's just no way you're going to win a football game like that. Um, biggest keys of the game on or the your biggest key to the game on Saturday, Tom. I'll let you start. Uh, my biggest key to the game is just going to be for us to control the line of scrimmage. I think in every game for you to win, unless you have freaking Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers back there, you have to control the line of scrimmage. Your offense line has to block well. You have to run the ball, and your defense line has to stop the run and you know make good plays. If we don't, if we can't control line scrimmage against A and M, which is going to be a very toss up matchup there. I think the way it's probably, and you know A and M has a very good, very strong defensive line. I think that if we don't control line scrimmage, it's going to be a very long game for us. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you got to definitely shore it up on the defensive side, and then <clears throat> you know really just kind of continue to do what you've done on the offensive side. I know they didn't have their best game against Missouri, but overall, this Gamecocks offensive line has been solid. I mean, there's no question about it. They've been one of the better offensive lines I think South Carolina's had in quite some time. Um, so, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it's a line of scrimmage game. There's there's not many times like last week where you're going to get outgained on the ground um, in the way that South Carolina did, and, and you're going to be able to come away and win the football game. I and mean, there's yeah. just not many games where you can't stop the run and can't run the ball, and you win anyways. It's just, it, just, it just doesn't – it's not a good recipe for success in the SEC, for sure. Um, my biggest key to the game, Tom, 
went on the perimeter. And what I mean by that is that I think Texas A&M, the way South Carolina can expose those guys, while they do have the number one ranked rush defense in the SEC, fourth ranked over on the country, uh, talking with Olin Buchanan of TexAgs.com that you're going to hear in just a second, they are a little vulnerable in the secondary. Um, you know, Texas A&M with some youth and experience, I think he told me they've actually got 10 sophomores starting on their – on their entire team. So they've, they've definitely got some youth, some of that youth and experience in the secondary as well. One of their uh, key safeties, um, I believe is Dalen Mack. He's actually been out a couple times with targeting penalties. Uh, I think he might miss some time on Saturday. But overall, Texas a I think, is a team that you can win uh, in the passing game with. And, again, we talked about, Tom, you're going to have to be able to throw the football on Saturday to beat Texas a This is not a game where I expect South Carolina to rush for 300 yards. I mean, Texas a has got one of the better – front sevens in the country led by guys like Tyrell Dodson, um, Kingsley Kiki, Ataro Alaka. I mean, they've, they've got some dudes on that defensive side. And I think they've got some guys that might make the all-name team too because I, I had some trouble pronouncing that last name. But, but anyways, um, I think in the secondary and the passing game is a place you can win. And, you know, we, we thought something similar about the game when the Gamecocks went in the game against Georgia. You, you thought you could win in the passing game and, you know, We've already talked about the quarterback situation, what happened with the quarterback. But I don't know that South Carolina, the Gamecocks receivers really had their best game. And this is going to be one of those games that the Gamecocks receivers are going to kind of – they're going to need to take their game to the next level and win those matchups on the outside to make things easy for Jake Bentley or Michael Skarnacki or whoever's slinging the ball back there. You're going to need to make it easy on whoever's back there and win your matchups and win those 50-50 balls because it's, it's really honestly a matchup you should win. You know, if you're going to say that you, you guys are – one of the best wide receiving cores in the country or the SEC, if you will. Uh, these are the type of games you need to expose that secondary. So should be a lot of fun to watch. Again, should be really interesting. Gamecocks going for their first win against Texas A&M ever. Um, obviously lost their first four meetings going from 2014 all the way up to last year. Um, Tom, it's that time. I want to get into the predictions. I'll let you start. Uh, I'm going to go A&M 31-17. I just think they're overall just a better football team. And, they showed that they can play with the big dogs in Clemson A&M. That's something that South Carolina hasn't shown, and I don't think that Jake Bentley is going to show up for this game. Call me out on Twitter if he does. I want. Hopefully, I'm wrong, but I'm going to go A&M 31-17. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I'll I echo your sentiment a little bit. I think it'll be a little bit closer. Right now, I've got A&M 27 to 20. Um, Again, listen, I think this is a game, 50-50 game. I think it has the makings of a game that could be another classic in Williams-Brice that, you know, the Gamecocks come out, they can come out fast, come out and win this football game, get the crowd really into it. And, again, just be one of those classic football games at Williams-Brice Stadium where the Gamecocks are able to find a way to win. But until Jake Bentley does it on the big stage in a game that really does matter, I can't pick South Carolina to win. I just can't do it. I I, I've put my eggs in that basket for the last time until Jake Bentley proves me wrong. So I've got the Aggies 27 to 20. Um, I'll throw in a little, uh, little bonus question here, Tom. If, if you had to put your money on it, does Jake Bentley play the entire game on Saturday? Uh, no. Nah. Okay. I, I'll be interested to see that. I mean, it'll be, It'll be very, very interesting for sure because <laughs> I, I just – I have a terrible feeling if things – and this, this is not what I want to happen. But if things go south early, um, the fans are going to be calling for Michael Skarnecki. And I just think yeah. if Jake Bentley goes out there and is missing throws early, throws a pick or two, it's going to be hard to keep Michael Skarnecki on the bench over there. Like, like I said, I want South Carolina to play whoever's going to give them the best chance to win the football game. I don't care who that is. I don't care if it's to carry on Joyner. I don't care if it's Jay Urich. 
Um, but whoever gives them the best chance to win the football game. But, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. You know, I really wouldn't mind using a two-quarterback system if it would work for you. I don't think South Carolina wants anything to do with that, which, you know, to each his own. But um, right now, yeah, like I said, I, I've just got the Aggies. With, with the questions South Carolina has in their run defense, um, with the questions they have at quarterback right now, uh, just sort of the uncertainty. I've got a winning at 27-20. But I, I, I really believe, I think this is a game that could – could realistically go either way. If Jake Bentley can come out and step up, you know, we've said that time and time over again, but if Jake Bentley can just come out and just don't you don't you don't have to go out there and win the game, just don't go out there and lose the game. Be a game don't, you know, be a quote-unquote game manager if you will. People throw that term around like it's a bad thing. Just don't turn the football over and get the ball to your playmakers. Just just do your job is really what it should be. Um so it'll be interesting to see it should be again another classic a um, couple of housekeeping items I want to make you guys aware of, obviously, before we get to our interview with Olin Buchanan. Uh, if you guys did not see on Saturday, we dropped our hashtag scar season shirts. Um, another thing I want to clarify, these shirts aren't necessarily us bashing Jake Bentley or promoting for Michael Skarnecki should start the rest of the season. But listen, dude, the guy's a red shirt senior who, who in his first ever game action leads the Gamecocks down the field with a minute left to a victory over Missouri in a game you had to have. Let's give the guy his due, okay? And it's a funny-ass shirt. So don't, yeah, don't come at me on social media saying that we're bashing Jake Bentley because we've released this shirt. Jake Bentley goes out and beats Texas A&M and shreds their secondary. I will make it a promise right now on the Spurs Up show, there will be a Jake Bentley shirt ready to go. Probably not on Saturday because I'll be at the game in the stadium. But on Sunday or Monday, you will see a shirt come out for all you guys that want one. That's 100%. I will 100% guarantee that right now. Um, also, some really exciting stuff because everyone will be hearing this tomorrow, which will be Wednesday, and I'll probably have either already dropped the announcement or will be dropping that the announcement sort of right in the time this gets released. Um, but it's, uh, it's free gift season. It's sticker season, Tom. We've got Spurs Up Show stickers to give away for all of our loyal listeners. Uh, I was able to go and work with some people to get a bunch of the Spurs Up Show stickers. I know, obviously, the sticker game is is very hot in the streets. Everybody loves free stuff. If you don't, you're crazy. Um, but we're giving away free stickers to our listeners. All you have to do, if you're listening to this, you want to know how to get one, send us a tweet to the Spurs Up Show account, or even Armchair South Carolina, if you like. But just send us a tweet. Send us a DM. Uh, a message, if you will, whatever, of a screenshot of your of you being subscribed to the Spurs Up show, whatever it is on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us, show us that you are subscribed to Spurs Up show. I will personally reach out to you, get your address, and send out a sticker for you for absolutely free just for, be, for being a dedicated listener to our show. So Because we obviously want to show appreciation to everybody that decides to tune into the Best Gamecocks podcast on the internet every single week. Um, and again, just want to show our appreciation. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Again, wherever you follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I don't care if it's in the Armchair Americans comments for all I care. Show us, send us that screenshot. We'll be sure to get these stickers out to you guys. I'm really, really excited. And um, we really do appreciate all of our listeners and you guys helping us grow. And I'm going to make sure I give, give Tom about 50 or so of these. He can spread them around campus and Litter these all over five points. So all you guys, whenever you're going out, can see the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Hey, maybe I should go to subscribe to them right now while I go get a drink over at Cover Three or Saloon. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, anyways, um, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Tom, anything else you've got to add? Uh, go Gamecocks. Let's, let's get a win Saturday.
That's absolutely. Hey, let's get a win Saturday. So like I said, be sure to go check us out. iTunes, Stitcher, Armchair Americans, uh, Facebook. You guys know where to find us. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. It obviously helps others find us. And enjoy this interview with Olin Buchanan that is brought to you by our friends over at mybookie.ag. Please be sure to go check us, check those guys out. Create your account if you haven't done so. Use the promo code SPURS25 to get your first deposit up to $1,000 matched 100%. They're also going to throw in that extra 25 bucks. Uh, for you guys, so up to a thousand twenty-five dollars, you can uh, you can get matched. So please be sure to go over to mybookie.ag. That's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e.ag. Use the promo code Spurs twenty-five, um, and start winning today. And I'll be right there with you. So remember, with my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy this interview with Olin Buchanan of TexMax.com. Joining us for a quick interview today, uh, he's a contributor over at texags.com. Texags, the largest online Aggie community, number one source for Texas A&M athletics, uh, has done a great job for those guys. Started with them back in 2012. I want to welcome on the show Olin Buchanan. Olin, again, appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to talking a little Texas A&M Aggies football with you. Well, so am I. Thanks for having, uh, having me on. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I want to start a little bit not so much – on the South Carolina A&M game, because obviously, you know, that's why why you're here. It is uh, Texas A&M, South Carolina week, you know, Aggies traveling to Columbia. Uh, but you've been with Tex-Ags for a long, pretty good while now, since 2012, I saw. And you've kind of seen, you know, we actually had a uh, Missouri guest on our show last week, and there have been a lot of conversations about Missouri and how they were kind of the quote-unquote black sheep of the SEC, if you will. Their transition hasn't been quite as smooth, maybe some of them have hoped you've kind of watched A&M as far as transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC, and I think their transition's been a lot smoother. And, you know, the SEC's really welcomed them with open arms. Just talk about kind of what that's been like seeing uh, A&M transition to the SEC and sort of what it's meant, not just for the football program, but for Texas A&M in general. Well, I think it's been great for Texas A&M, and it's something that Aggies have really embraced. They wanted it. They wanted a clean break from uh, the University of Texas and the Big 12 to feel like uh, Texas kind of, kind of runs the Big 12, and, uh, you know, it's a rivalry. Imagine if you were stuck to uh, uh, Clemson and everything that Clemson wanted, the, the conference did. So uh, A&M felt like it was time to uh, break away, and they had that opportunity with the uh, with the Southeastern Conference. You know, the SEC liked uh, Texas A&M for all the television sets in, uh, in the state, but A&M really liked uh, uh, the SEC because, quite frankly, uh, uh, the, the passion – and the fan support that Texas A&M uh, has is very, you know, as you guys know, it's what you see uh, everywhere in the SEC. So it felt like a very natural fit for A&M, uh, and they've loved being a part of the conference. They'd like to win more, uh, <laughs> and maybe they're working towards that. But uh, just uh, really they feel like being part of uh, something huge, and uh, they really like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've been been fortunate enough. I haven't been to College Station yet, but I've been able to go to a couple of South Carolina A&M games and meet some A&M fans, obviously. And they've definitely got some of the most passionate in the SEC, I would say. Um, you talked about, obviously, would like to win a little bit more. Obviously, tough being in the same division as Alabama. But getting the 2018 Aggies football, the man they brought in to uh, kind of steer that in the right direction, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, obviously, there's been you know, a lot of pressure, probably fair, most likely with the resources that A&M has and really the talent that they've had at, that, uh, at, at Texas A&M as well. But Jimbo Fisher brought in from Florida State. Just kind of talk about how that hire's gone, obviously, from the offseason. There were, I, you know, I remember specifically one story. I think they they gave him a, a plaque with 
blank national championship. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, obviously the expectations have been set high. Just kind of talk about what that marriage has been like and uh, how, how Aggie fans have received it at this point. Well, they've loved it. The honeymoon of the marriage is still on. Uh, he's the most popular guy in town, like a lot of coaches are, until they start losing. Um, the uh, the plaque that was uh, that was actually meant to be kind of a a joke, you know, very lighthearted thing that that gained a whole lot of traction uh, nationally and and probably got blown out of proportion. But uh, but that's okay. Um, but uh, you know, Fisher uh, when A and M was was successful in the 80s and 90s it was built on very tough football uh a, a strong running game a powerful defense and A&M got away from that and hey if you're winning nobody cares uh, how you do it and uh so, so the Aggies they embraced the uh the uh I guess wide open style Kevin someone brought but you know that was one of those things that as soon as everyone in the SEC adjusted to it um, you saw that it really wasn't uh, the, the the style of play that you felt like could win, um, you know, consistently in the SEC. And, and Kevin Sumlin even even uh, uh, changed his style to a certain degree. Uh, but uh, it was clear that his uh, his style wasn't going to be uh, able to take A and M to the uh, you know to the heights that the Aggies aspire for. And uh, so to bring in. Uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher, who has a um, uh, kind of a, a, a tougher mentality, much more demanding of his players than the previous coach, and uh, uh, you know has has had more success and, and all the things that he he stepped in and right away said it's not going to be the way it used to be. Uh, you probably heard the stories that they would have music going on during practice and things like that. If you weren't involved in a specific drill, you might be over you know in the, in, on the sideline dancing. And uh, they, uh, uh, Jimbo came in, and one of the first things he did was said, well, you know, I don't want any music playing. I want you to be learning and and, and listen to me while I'm coaching you. And so uh, they had a tougher uh, off season by all accounts than they've ever had. You know, that's what the players tell us. Of course, we're not there. But uh, he, he's just trying to, as, as every coach, new coach says, trying to change the culture. And more than anything, he's trying to make uh, his players – uh, more, uh, let's say, tougher physically and mentally. And I think we're seeing the mental uh, part of that come around with uh, some of the way, you know, against Clemson, they got down a couple of touchdowns or 11 points and, and kept coming back. Uh, I think previous A&M teams might have gone ahead and, and, and folded there. And then times got kind of t- uh, tense uh, last week against Kentucky, and yet they were able to make big plays when it counted most. So, uh, I think you're seeing the, uh, the the Jimbo influence starting to uh, permeate throughout the team and and have a uh, you know have an impact. Yeah, no, I would agree 100. percent I think Jimbo Fisher, personally, me, I think it was a great hire, and I think it's obviously already starting to show uh, show promise for Texas A&M. Want want to get into you know obviously the 2018 Aggies in this game specifically. Uh, overall A&M right now four and two overall you talked about one of the games uh, the two losses you know to Clemson and Alabama I mean no shame in losing to those two teams uh, especially the Clemson game that you know obviously I think you know which side of that one I was on but uh, <laughs> really really could have gone either way I mean some questionable calls at the end but Texas A&M gave Clemson you know all they could handle it more talk about just kind of because I know the expectations this year you know I'm not sure how they were inside of Aggie land but obviously from the national media and those that cover the SEC expectations I thought were pretty tempered for Texas A&M. I was hearing a lot of six wins, seven wins. 
I think, you know, A&M off to a pretty good start, 4-2. and two. Just kind of talk about the overall impressions of this Aggies team and what you've seen to this point. Yeah, I saw the, uh, a lot of the national um, the, uh, predictions were about a six, maybe seven-win team. We always – we even here, I, I projected eight, and my feeling was that uh, – now, we're talking about before the season started. I thought you know, they'd win three of their non-conference games, uh, uh, anticipated they'd lose to Alabama and, and Clemson, thought they'd probably lose to uh, – uh, uh, on the road at Auburn and Mississippi State, uh, thought they would – be favored to probably win against Kentucky and Ole Miss and Arkansas, and thought the uh, games against South Carolina and uh, uh, LSU might be a toss-up. Well, you know, if you look at it now, they're they're kind of right where we expected them to be, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, where they go from here. Right now, it looks good, but I think a And is one of those teams that uh, you know, you know, they have like ten ten or eleven sophomore starters, depending on who's in the lineup, and uh, I, I think you, they're, they're talented, but what you're seeing is a, uh, uh, an immature team that, that tends to play to the level of its competition. And I think that was the case against Clemson. I think that was the case against, you know, when they almost beat Clemson and, uh, and a case when they almost lost to Arkansas. So, um, and then came out and played a strong game against Kentucky. Uh, so, so you just, this team, you, you know they have the ability to win every game remaining on the schedule, you know that they could go out and lose a lot of them too. Uh, it, it really is going to be a matter of how intense they are, how prepared they are, and you know how emotionally involved they are that day. You know, they, they, they might be a better team. They might not necessarily be the better team that day. So we're still trying to find out uh, what kind of team this is. Um, if you follow Texas A&M in, in recent years, the Aggies have gotten off typically to a strong start and then got to the second half of the season uh, when the expectations started to rise and the pressure started to rise, and then they would fade. And here we are starting the second half of the season. Um, there's some expectations. They broke it back into the national rankings. There's some people think, hey, maybe this team could win nine or ten games. Um, this In the past, this team would not respond well or had not responded well, and we're – you know, just like anybody else, uh, very curious to see how, how they're going to respond. And if Jimbo Fisher is the guy that can, uh, you know, uh, make sure that they don't have that, that second half fade. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you talked about Jimbo Fisher. I want to move to the offense. Obviously, he brings in a new philosophy, a toughness that you talked about more of, especially with offensive philosophy, more of a two-back uh, pro style. Um, talking about offense in general, you know, Travion Williams going into this game against South Carolina is a guy who scares the crap out of me, I think is extremely talented. Um, the game, you know, really the game that sticks out to me because I watched it beginning to end was the first college football game when he just ran wild over – I think it was Northwestern State or whoever it was. Northwestern State, yeah. Yeah, Northwestern State. Just ran wild over them. And obviously, he's just got a, he's a guy that's got plenty of ability, has shown it week in and week out. And then Kellen Mond at the quarterback position. I know that you guys, you know, had a pretty heated battle between Nick Starkle and Kellen Mond, and there really was some uncertainty who was going to start. And Kellen Mond got, got that nod. And I tell you what, he has not let go of that starting position since. I mean, I, thought, I think he's looked really dynamic, has had good decision-making. Talk about just your overall feelings of this Texas a and Aggies offense because – you know, from an outsider's perspective looking in, they seem like, while they may be like you're talking, a little bit inconsistent, they seem like a pretty uh, – can be a pretty explosive bunch. Yeah, well, they have their their, their moments. Um, I think they're still – I think they're evolving into more of a uh, 
ball control type offense, run oriented behind uh, uh, Travion Williams, which absolutely makes sense. They just had uh, last week lost the receiver, Jamon Osmond. He was their leading returning C, uh, receiver from last year, had 50 catches as a true freshman. And he broke a bone in his foot, so he's out indefinitely. And I think that really uh, is a significant loss. But, you know, Jimbo brought in a, a junior college tight end, Jay Sternberger. And he's really been a boost to the offense and uh, both uh, blocking and receiving. And then Travion, uh, he joked in, uh, in the spring, he said, he looked up and he saw a guy in front of him. And he said, what, you know, what, what's it, what is this? And they said, it's a fullback. You know, they never had a fullback around here before. And, uh, and quite frankly, having a fullback has really uh, paid dividends for Travion. He's leading the SEC in rushing right now. He has about, I think it's 720 yards. Uh, had two, 152 against Arkansas, who which has a better defense, I think, than, than than most people think, and then had 138 against Kentucky. So we expected that he would have a, a big year. He's he's been an explosive guy before. He had a 87 yard touchdown run to to nail down a win over uh, uh, Auburn when he was a freshman, and he's uh, you know gone 30 or 40 yards for touchdowns against Arkansas before. Uh, about a 70-yarder last year against UCLA. You know, he's a he's a big play guy, but he's added some muscle. He's added some bulk, and and he's uh, uh, turned himself into a little bit more of a power runner than he was before. So they're going to build, and they like to throw to him out of the backfield too. So they're going to build uh, their offense around him. And Kellen Mon has come in, and he was absolutely spectacular in that loss to Clemson. And I think uh, that was not a true indication of who he is or at least not who he is yet, uh, He's he has the ability to do some big things, which he showed against Clemson. But I think more and more, he's just a guy that uh, uh, they want him to be uh, more of a game manager, I think. Um, understanding that he does have the ability to make some big plays, but uh, since that game against Clemson, you know, his, his numbers have been good, but they haven't been spectacular. I think his, uh, his best game as far as throwing the ball was 226 yards last week. So um, I think he's a guy that, that that has a lot of potential. Again, he's only a sophomore halfway through uh, the year under a under a second coach, uh, but he's been pretty consistent. He's got to get away from making uh, some uh, some big mistakes. He had a, a couple of bad had a bad interception against Alabama. You know that can be forgiven. Had another one against uh, actually two against Arkansas that couldn't. And then one last week that wasn't his fault, but he did have a big fumble that that uh, could have cost him the game. Uh, so, you know, he's still a work in progress, but there's no doubt that he's a guy that uh, has a really high ceiling and uh, they really like him and they think uh, that he, he's going to be special. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's going to be a really interesting battle, in my opinion, as well, just kind of both. Uh, with Kellen Mond and then the quarterback situation at South Carolina, which I want to get to in just a second. But moving over to the Aggies defense, you know, obviously, again, I haven't been able to watch every single Texas A&M game, but I know that the Aggies defense has been a real strength this season and was a real, real problem for South Carolina a year ago in uh, in College Station. I think the Aggies had six or seven sacks in that game, I and mean, Jake Bentley was running for his life, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, and it looks like the Aggies are kind of up to similar things this year with guys like Kingsley Kiki, Tyrell Dodson, um, a, a lot of a lot of dudes on that side of the ball. Just kind of talk about you know what you've seen, what what Aggies, what the Aggies have seen through the defense through six games in 2018. Well, the biggest difference by far is the run defense. A and M was as about a 
poor run defensive team for three years, as you'll find in college football. You may remember two years ago, uh, South Carolina, A.J. Turner opened the game with a 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, but this year, uh, Kingsley Kiki, is, he lost about 20 pounds. They moved him out from uh, tackle to end. They'll move him back inside on occasion, but mainly he's an end, and he's really responded. They had David Mack was a five-star recruit, came in here four years ago and was really underperforming, uh, quite frankly, been a disappointment for three years. And, and so far this year, he's playing up to that, uh, that, 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 that standard that they thought he would, he would reach uh, when he came in. And then the, as another defensive tackle, Justin Matabike, uh, he's a sophomore that uh, uh, is really emerging as a uh, as a difference maker so the the defensive front is is really sound and uh, Tyrell Dodson who's a junior out of out of Tennessee he came down here and uh, moved in at linebacker which had in the, in the past been a major problem area for A&M and he along with the, the senior Otara Locke who's having a good year so far uh, they've kind of stabilized that position so the front seven of the A&M defense has been uh, has been outstanding. You know, the number four in the nation in in uh, in rush defense. So uh, again, that's something they haven't done. I think Clemson had 115 yards rushing against them, and that's the the best any team has had uh, against them so far this year. The problem uh, for A&M and why the you know Aggies that that are going to be watching the the game on TV or making the trip out to Columbia, the reason they're going to be holding their breath is the uh, secondary has been uh, uh, has been vulnerable to big plays. And, you know, they're well aware of, uh, of South Carolina's ability to throw the ball and Edwards and Debo Samuel out there and what they can do. Uh, A&M, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I bet they've given up uh, as many, probably about 30, 20-yard passes, uh, passes have gone for at least 20 yards or something like that. It, it, it's been a it's been a major issue, the, the tendency to give up the big play. But uh, they have gotten 11 sacks in the last two games. So if they can keep coming on there, maybe they're going to give that defensive secondary a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit of help. And uh, they also need to keep their senior safety, Donovan Wilson, in the game. He's missed two halves for targeting on special teams, uh, on special teams play. And, uh, you know, that's cost them. But uh, – the, the, the re, the, the, they're going to feel very confident about their ability against the run, but again, there's going to be a, a lot of angst uh, every time, every time uh, Bentley or or whoever goes back to throw the pass because uh, because they've been vulnerable to giving away those big plays. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you definitely talked about Bentley or whoever's going to be back there. Obviously, that's been a really interesting. Uh, question looming around South Carolina this week. Will Muschamp saying that if Bentley's healthy, he will be the starter on Saturday. Obviously, South Carolina able to pull off what was in a crazy game, uh, pull off a much-needed win against Missouri with Michael Skarnecchia, the redshirt senior quarterback. Um, the Aggies come in this one, I feel like, you know, on a pretty high note. I mean, obviously, you beat Kentucky at home. I know it's Kentucky, but they're ranked 13th in the country. Um, you get the win in overtime who are, over a Kentucky team who I think is real who, uh, you know, is a real contender in the SEC East. Um, obviously a team that beat South Carolina on their home field. Um, but I feel like the Aggies are riding pretty high. Just kind of talk about from the Aggie pers- Aggies' perspective, because obviously you guys face a South Carolina team that, you know, much, I guess you could say a little bit like Texas a has been very Jekyll and Hyde this season. I mean, you really don't know what to expect out of these guys, what to expect out of Jake Bentley on the offensive side and then defensively. 
obviously have had their struggles in defending the run game, which is why I'm so concerned with the Travion Williams matchup. And then also the Jay Sternberger matchup, obviously, like you mentioned, with you know have, try, have, trying to get a linebacker or a nickel on him. Um, he's an extremely hard guy to cover and can create a lot of matchup problems. But overall for this matchup, you know, Texas A&M has had their way in it, you know, won all four matchups since they joined the SEC. Talk about kind of this game overall for Aggie Nation, what it means, and to this game specifically, you know, how Texas A&M is feeling coming into this matchup with South Carolina going on the road to Columbia. Well, I think they're feeling confident, uh, and and they should, again, uh, they've won two in a row. Like you mentioned earlier, their two losses are to Clemson and Alabama. No shame there. Uh, so, so they have every reason to feel confident. Um, and, but, but Fisher's always, and, and he probably heard a lot of coaches say this before. He's always preaching, uh, you know, you're playing a nameless, faceless opponent. Don't even think about yeah. what you know who you're playing and what they're supposed to be good at or bad at. But you know, kids are kids. And, uh, you know, they keep up with things and, and maybe they're thinking, hey, we can run on, uh, on South Carolina or, or, or whatever. The, the fact of the matter is, and I said it earlier, as this is a good A&M team, but it's not so good that it can just show up like, like you know, some teams like Alabama or maybe Georgia can and just uh, show up and expect that, that they're going to win. This is a team that has to be playing well, that has to be intense. Uh, and has to be focused and if uh, to win. And if they're not focused, uh, they're going to be very vulnerable. And I don't think anybody, uh, or there should I should say it this way, nobody making that trip should be thinking that that game's going to be an easy win because, let's face it, except for the, the, the first game in the series when Kenny Hill had the best game of his life, uh, every game has been pretty competitive. And I don't see uh, why this one wouldn't be either. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I, I was actually at that 2014 game, so I appreciate you reminding me of that one. But, no, yeah, it's it's been a fun <laughs> series for sure. And it's, you know, it's been a little surprising, I guess you could say, that Texas A&M has won all four just simply because the games have been so competitive. And you think eventually South Carolina could squeeze one out. But, obviously, Texas A&M has been a really solid team, a team with a ton of talent. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Jimbo Fisher can kind of obviously get Aggie land of the expectations they're wanting with competing and beating the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Auburn, stuff like that. So um, looking forward to it. And, and I think also I was just going to mention as well, I think Vegas is expecting, because that's something I'm not sure if you follow along with, but I would say Vegas is expecting a nail biter as well with the, the spread being an a and M two and a half. It, you know, it, it should be another fun game another classic in the series, but uh, Olin, appreciate you coming on, man. It was an absolute blast. Uh, make sure everybody you go check out Olin Buchanan's work and the rest of the guys over there at Tex Ags. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Again, the number one place to go get your Texas A&M uh, sports coverage. And, of course, go check them out this week, especially all the Gamecock fans that are tuning in, uh, just to kind of get some insight on the uh, on the upcoming game on Saturday. But, Olin, appreciate you coming on, man. It was an absolute pleasure, and we thank you for, that, for taking the time. Well, thank you for having us on, and we're really looking forward to visiting your uh, beautiful state. Absolutely. We really do appreciate it. All right. Well, for Olin Buchanan, you guys know where to find us. Thomas Floyd. I'm Chris Phillips. You know where to find us on iTunes, Stitcher app, armchairamericans.com. Of course, please be sure to go subscribe and go check us out there. But for Olin Buchanan and Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next week. We'll recap the game against the Texas A&M Aggies. Until then, enjoy 